minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to the newest episode of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, if you're going to wager on it, you may as well go all the way. FanDuel.com slash minus three. That's the word minus the number three. And follow along for all the fun at minus three pod. Spread the good word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Download, subscribe, all that jazz. Eddie Spaghetti, we got Josh Yoya, the athletic, coming up here for a little East Division in the NHL preview here and a very important investigation into one of the great crimes in sports history, nay, the greatest of them all, the 1989 MVP Hart Trophy Award um, in the NHL. There's a lot of buzz about that right now. Connor McDavid is going to win it, but a lot of people – in the Northeast, specifically Boston fans with Brad Marchand and Penguins fans with Sidney Crosby think their guys deserve a little bit of love there for the Hart Trophy. I got to tell you, I got to stay consistent and say, obviously, Connor McDavid is going to get it and deserves to get it. 100 points in a 56-game schedule? What are we even talking about, right? He's unreal, and I'm very glad in our Extra Points Fantasy League that I took him with my first overall pick to win the heart uh, with pretty good odds. I believe I got it, plus 150. Now it's skyrocketed to, uh, you know, in the thousands because he has it locked up. I mean, he if, in this short season to do what he did, um, it must be so I couldn't imagine being his teammate, how fun it is and how easy it must be to be with a guy like that. But uh, yeah, he's something special. Very quickly, uh, before we jump into the other stuff I just mentioned there, uh, full slate in the AL East, NL East and NL Central. Eddie Spaghetti, any jump out of you there? I like Marcus Stroman for the Metropolitans today coming off a no hitter. Yeah, in baseball, the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery's pitching against the Rays here. And I think they're going to have. Uh, I believe the Rays have uh, Patino going, but I read that he's only going to go a few innings, like three or four innings, which means the Rays are going to hit the bullpen early. Now they do have a good bullpen, but for me, I like it when, you know, if, if your starter's not going to give you a solid six, seven innings of, of good baseball and you're going to go pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, I kind of like how the Yankees' bats have been if they're throwing in all these arms versus them. So I like Montgomery and the Yankees tonight in MLB. Uh, if we're going to switch over to the NBA, I'll give a quick uh, – Well, I'll NBA. tell you very quickly, yeah, with the MLB, I'll, I'll stay uh, in New York. I'll go – to uh, Queens, like I say, Stroman, money line uh, 166 for the Metropolitans against the bum O's there. If you want to um, take the Metropolitans minus a run and a half, you can get them at plus 146. I think that's the bet there. But yes, jump to NBA. Have at it there, Spaghetti. As the Bru- as, We'll talk with Hench. I feel bad for Celtics fans. This is kind of the worst. Is it you make? I know the Celtics haven't been playing well. Anyway, down the stretch, but now Jalen Brown out for the year right before the playoffs start. So basically, you just watch the entire regular season to get to this point and then realize our team has no chance. They are hosting the Heat tonight. And while, you know, uh, Julius Randle revenge game against his uh, his old Lakers team there, I guess the Knicks can blow it to the Heat here. And in fact, you probably have to take the Heat over the Celts without Brown, right? I think you got to stick with the Heat because especially they need these games. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, too. If Jalen Brown was was, uh, was healthy and playing, the Celtics are, you know, right there to maybe jump them. Uh, you know, they're only a few games back of the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat. They're all kind of mushed together there. But, yeah, with, with him gone, you got to ride with the Heat. And then with the Knicks in Los Angeles playing the Lakers, supposedly – 
LeBron's going to be playing later. We'll see if that happens. Uh, the reports are that he will return, but you mentioned him already. Julius Randle is the guy to focus on this game. It is a revenge game. The Lakers did not want to keep him. The Knicks believed in him, gave him the contract. There are some good player props in this one. I like him to score 25 points, minus 128. If we want to get really kind of crazy with it, just score 30-plus points. Julius Randle's plus 215 right there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Knicks are getting five-and-a-half points, too. Right now, if LeBron is you know up in the air of coming back, I would even hammer that, give the Knicks five-and-a-half points if there's no LeBron. So, yeah, the Knicks and Julius Randle, I like him to have a, a pretty big game tonight. I hear you. The in and out of these last few regular season games makes for uh, some scary bets there. And um, one of the funnier ones is that now we know in the East Division, in the NHL, the the um, matchups are set. It's going to be the Penguins and the Islanders, and it's going to be the Bruins and the Capitals. The Bruins secured third place on Monday night, and the Capitals have a bunch of injured stars coming back at various levels in their return there. The Bruins have already announced they're basically going AHL and are probably going to pull a fan out of the stands to play between the pipes. The Capitals, it sounds like, are going to run their guys out there to um, get them one last lap before the playoffs start. I think you got to bet the Capitals minus a goal and a half at plus 146, and I might even go more aggressive than that. But speaking of hockey, you know what? Before we jump to hockey, one last thing. We'll do it with Hench on Thursday show. Make sure you're checking that one out, Northeast Sports fan, um, because we now have the season win-loss totals for the AFC East, NFC East, and the AFC North. Um, before we dig in on that, just a quick hors d'oeuvre, Eddie Spaghetti. Your Giants over seven at minus 120 or under seven at plus 100. How say you in the NFC East this year? I mean, I mean, I get this is what Vegas and FanDuel, they have to do this. They have to give you a number. They're not and, doing it to, to upset you, though. I just want right, to know. They're right. not doing they have, it out of spite. No, they, they, want to, they want to make their money, but, you know, uh, we all know the NFC East last year with all, every team had, like, what, six wins? The Giants had six wins last year. Well, you go and see what they added this season. You know, I said to, I said to you on this show a while back, um, when we're recording with Hench, and I said, I'll give you a better view of my Giants, you know, picks once the draft happened and, and free agency happened. And they go and bring in offensive weapons, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, the defense, like Patrick Graham, he could turn water into wine. I trust him so much. And they got a great value pick with, uh, with Aziz in the second round there out of Georgia. So I, it's it's going to be an easy over for me. It's going to be an easy over. They're going to have they're easily winning over seven games this year. There's no doubt in my mind. The division itself is first those teams, and their schedule isn't miserable. They have a couple of the harder games right at home. I can't see the Giants being any worse than you know eight nine wins this year. All right. Well, we'll dig in deeper on that. Like I say, once we see what the actual schedule is, we know who everybody's playing, but we don't know when on the calendar. So we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, like I say, I'm very excited for the drop of the puck in the NHL, especially this postseason. Um, the the housekeeping around the league is that Connor McDavid, like I say, is going to win the MVP. I'm fine with it because I know that if you outscore the the second best um, in a season by 30-plus goals, as uh, more or less what McDavid's done, you have to give the guy the MVP. He's been phenomenal, even though the team isn't in first place or anything else there. Um, but are you ready, Spaghetti? I know you're, you know, you like your Rangers, you love your puck, but I know you don't love your 80s hockey as much. What we're going to do with Yoey, we're going to preview the East Division, but then we are going to dig in on, like I say, the crime of the century, the 
writers vote to give Wayne Gretzky the Hart Trophy back in 89 because he went to Los Angeles and made uh, made Hollywooders like hockey. Somehow this trumps Lemieux scoring 199 points. Are you ready for this conversation? I I'm buckled in. I'm ready to see the the two Pittsburgh guys uh, try to convince me otherwise. Well, listen, you're in New York and you're a Yankees fan. Surely you have made a case for Mickey Mantle being the best baseball player of all time, even though his numbers aren't it. Sometimes injuries and otherwise get in the way. That's all. I, I think it's fair. I think Mickey Mantle is definitely somebody that a lot of Yankee fans, especially the older generation, hold in very high regard. But I also don't think those fans would get upset if they said, you know, Babe Ruth or Ted Williams or Joe DiMaggio were better, or Lou Gehrig were better ballplayers than Mickey Mantle. I think you have to, as a hockey fan, I think it's okay if we just say, yes, Lemieux in the conversation. Yeah, Preston but the difference is Mickey Mantle, they make movies about him and they write songs about him and they write books about him and everything else because he was on the New York Yankees. But Lemieux was in, uh, you know, in the Steel City in a not traditional hockey town and otherwise. But I think they are a fair comp. So at least you can understand the spirit of this. Well, right? I don't also think that, you know, Edmonton uh, is an international hub. I mean, he he played in, a, in the woods of Canada for the most of his career. All right, right what are you? You're, you're Bob Baffert peeing on my point before I even make it. Let <laughs> me get to it with Josh Yoey. As a matter of fact, I'm finished talking to you. It's time to speak with, from The Athletic, about all things East Division and beyond, Josh Yoey. One last thing, though, before we get to it, the nightmare of 89. We've all had that dream. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. While on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel's letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's $25 back in site credit every day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. All you have to do is check out, um, oh, this is a good one, though, on uh, Tuesday and and we happen to be talking to you on this Tuesday. $5 Dinger Tuesdays place a $25 wager on any player to hit a home run on Tuesday and get a $5 bonus in site credit for every home run hit in the game. The max on that is $25. Spaghetti, give me one name. Hmm. You're going to go Giancarlo Stanton? I defy you to pick any human being other than Giancarlo Stanton. I I could pick Giancarlo would be very easy. He's been on a tear right now. There are other there's two or three other guys that are in the mix for this. The one guy though I'm gonna go with and I'm gonna trust him to come back and bounce back in a big way. And he had a kind of rough stretch. He had like a golden sombrero the other day. Was Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is not having uh, a you know a good stretch. LeMahieu is in the mix. Glaber Torres is uh, hitting the ball again. He's back in the mix, but I'm going to go with my guy, Judgey, who wears 99 also, you know, after Wayne Gretzky, the best hockey player of all time. He's going to bounce back in a big way. Uh, he'll get this monkey off his back. No more golden sombrero. He will hit a, a, a very, very far home run in this game. So go with Judge. All right. Like I, like I say, turn your mic off now. See, I, that was unnecessary what you said at the end there. But do go to FanDuel Sportsbook and do use the promo code FanDuel.com slash Minus three, the word minus, the number three. All right. I am positively over the moon. It's a, it's fun to have fun, but sometimes it's even more fun to do the important stuff. And we have to dig in on something, the crime of the century, the last century. We'll get to that in just a second. First of all, though, 
It's time to kibitz in front of the East Division, a.k.a. the Patrick Division, a.k.a. the Mass Mutual, a.k.a. the toughest division in all of sports 2021. We're joined to talk about all of it right now by literally, I'm not exaggerating this, my very favorite source for NHL news specifically in this division. He writes for The Athletic. Make sure you're checking out his work there. It's Josh Yowie. What's happening, man? Uh, good day, my friend. I hope all is well. Uh, the hockey playoffs are finally here. And the only reason I'm really here is to talk about the tragedy of 1989. But I want to talk playoffs, too. So so we okay, can do let, Let's service that, the here <laughs> and now. Some people don't like getting in the way back machine. But what's right is right. And it is all for eternity. And I think in 2021, it's, it's at long last time to resolve, like I say, the crime of the century. But first of all, Yoey, you and me are on the right side of history where this division is concerned. One of the contenders in it. In fact, the team that ended up winning this division, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So much doom and gloom surrounding this team, even into the season. This team's not going to make the playoffs. This team can't compete. The window is closed on this team's chances for the Stanley Cup. Now the Pittsburgh Penguins reign supreme, looking down at some really juggernaut teams potentially come uh, come next week with the Capitals and the Bruins and uh, and the Trotsled New York Islanders. How you feeling, I guess, first of all? I mean, that, that, is this enough for you or – does it all evaporate if the Penguins go down in round one here for you? I think they've got to win a series simply because of what's happened the last two years in the postseason for the Penguins. As we know, they were swept by the Islanders two years ago, and I'm not sure how seriously we should be taking the bubble in Toronto last year, but it still was not a good showing. So if they go down quietly in the first round three years in a row, that, that that's a concern no matter what they did in the regular season. Um, that said, I thought it was one of the great regular seasons in franchise history. If you extrapolate it over 82 games, I think they were on a 113-point pace, something like that. I mean, th- this was a legitimately great season, and they were not impressive in the first month at all. They were getting by on a bunch of overtime wins and really had some nights where Latang and Malkin were out of it. And you started to wonder, man, maybe this is the year the playoff streak ends. Then it, it happened on Valentine's Day. They beat the Caps on a Sunday afternoon. And really, from that point on, they've been one of the five best teams in hockey. Now, you, you can make your short list of contenders. You know, Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, Carolina, whatever. Pittsburgh's right there with all of those teams. Uh, they really are. They have a legitimate chance. And to come in first place in this division, that was impressive. I don't need to tell you how good the Bruins and Caps and Islanders are. I really believe that uh, Eddie Spaghetti's Rangers would have been a playoff team in any other division. Um, I know Buffalo, Jersey stink. Okay. That's always the argument. Oh, Buffalo and Jersey are in that division. Well, it's still the deepest and best division in hockey, in my opinion. So some kind of a season from the Penguins so far. Well, and before you even get to the fourth and fifth place teams in the other divisions, too, there's an extra team, extra stink team in some of those divisions, too, that leads to an extra two points for when the heavyweights in those divisions get to play them. I hear what you're saying. I'm with you, of course, on the Penguins shot at not just clearing the East Division, but taking a real shot at the Cup. As it stands, though, FanDuel still has the Capitals with slightly better odds, as well as the Bruins. They're going head-to-head. The Pens even up, or I guess uh, the Penguins are plus 1,400 to win the Cup. The Islanders plus 1,500. Like I say, Caps and Bruins um, teaming up there. So I guess let's start with that one real quick. How do you see that series playing out beyond what a lot of people are pointing to? These two guys, these two teams 
are predicated largely the Caps probably more than the Bruins on their size and their ability to beat you up. And I'm not just talking about Tom Wilson's felonies. I mean, within the rules of the game or perhaps just beyond, but I do expect a, a, a real people like to say heavyweight tilt, but I really do think that there's going to be some physical attrition on both sides and the Caps probably going into the playoffs as constituted the most banged up of the four teams in the division right now. They are. And you know, in the last few years, the Caps usually give the Bruins fits. Um, it's always been a bad matchup for Boston, but I love the Bruins in this series. I think the Capitals are completely vulnerable right now. Uh, Ovi's been banged up. TJ Oshie's banged up. Kuznetsov, I don't know what's going on with him. I've heard some rumors that I won't repeat, but there's some off-ice issues going on with him right now. Their, hmm. goaltend- their goaltending's not very good. I will take Tuka Rask all day in a goaltending matchup against whoever the Capitals throw at him. Um, the Capitals are, you know, Yes, they are talented up front. They can score goals, but I frankly don't like their blue line very much. I give them credit for what they did this season. You look at the record. They were doing something right. What did they do? Take a bunch of old Penguins and make them into featured players? This seems like, by the way, it seems to me, boy, this is really what the Washington Capitals come down to is Connor Sheary, Daniel Sprong, and, and Schultz on the blue line. Every time I look at the box score, I'm like, oh, Daniel Sprong scored again. What do you know? Um, they can score. Their forwards are good, but I don't like their blue line. I don't like their goaltending. I don't like the way they're playing right now. Every time I would watch them play, and granted, the Penguins really got the best of them, but I, I would watch them play in other games too. And I just, they're I'm passing the eye test. I, I don't think they're that great. I, I'm really surprised that the odds makers have them with a better chance to win the cup than the Penguins. That's shocking to me. I, I think the Penguins are a way better team right now. And uh, so even though they've given Boston fits over the years, uh, the Bruins are also really hot. Uh, to me, Pittsburgh and Boston have separated themselves a little bit in this division. Uh, I fully, and who knows what can happen, but I would bet some money on Pittsburgh and Boston meeting in the second round, and I think it would be a really great series. I, I just feel like the Islanders are fading right now, and, and I don't like how the Capitals look. I don't like their injury situation, and, and Pittsburgh and Boston are really peaking. Yeah, I hear you. And obviously, uh, anybody who's been following the last month, Taylor Hall's worked out beautifully for uh, the Bruins, exceeding expectation. Obviously, the same is uh, is true with Jeff Carter in Pittsburgh. I still question. I know he got off to a hot start, but I think giving away Verona was maybe a a double down where the Capitals didn't need to do it. They should have maintained a, li- a little bit of speed. I'm not saying that... Uh, um, that Mantha isn't fast for a guy that size. But like uh, I keep pointing, I mean, listen, the, the old uh, NFL thing of uh, most intimidating team coming off the bus, the Capitals win that one. Yeah. Well, well, they sure do. Um, but yeah, when big number 43 is the first guy off the bus, I'd be a little concerned for my life as well. Um, <laughs> and they're, listen, their top six is great when it's healthy. I mean, no, it's probably the best top six in hockey. And Mantha's been really good. And you're, for a big dude, he can move. But you're right, they don't have a lot of team speed anyway. And when you see them, especially in a series against Pittsburgh, if that would happen, the Penguins are so much faster. And I realize the Capitals have the size advantage, but the Penguins just skated circles around them this season. And Verona was the one guy, or one of the few guys, he and Haglund, I guess, who could really, really motor on that team. Verona always played very well against the Penguins. So just looking at it from a Pittsburgh standpoint, when you're looking at Washington's roster, Trading Verano was a pretty big deal, I think. And uh, listen, they're an intriguing team. Uh, they are. Uh, we know how much talent they have. I'm not writing them off, but I, I'd be surprised if they beat Boston. I, I just feel like the Bruins are humming right now. 
I think Hall has made a difference, and that top line is so great. I don't care what you do to match up against it. I, I don't know that they. I don't know that they have the personnel to slow it down. The Caps blue line, it's okay. I don't think uh, John Carlson's not playing at the level he was last season. I don't think Dmitry Orlov is going to slow those guys down. That's just my opinion. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like the Bruins a lot in that series. I really do. I do too. I think Carlo's a huge return for the for the Bruins, especially going up against the size that the Caps throw at you and try to clog things up in front of the goaltender. So, yeah, I'm with you on the Bruins. But as you point to, I think Penguins Capitals. I give a decisive edge to the Penguins for whatever reason. The Bruins and Caps, you know, Styles make the fight and all that. I do think the Caps stand a fair chance of getting through this one to the other series quickly. I think that. Obviously, in terms of skill, in terms of what the Penguins did against the Islanders head to head this season, you got to take the Penguins. I I mean, this is maybe a little bit um, too specific, but I feel like Trotz, what what Trotz likes to do and tries to take the air out of you. The guy who is most susceptible that I've seen on any NHL team to that, who gets frustrated by it and presses the action a little bit too much is Chris Letang. And I, I... I feel like this is too much time off for, for Trotz to to remind everybody on his team of what the Islanders want to do, how they want to how they want to squeeze the obviously superior offensive uh, Pittsburgh Penguins here. Um, do you do you think uh, are are the Penguins going to get in their head the way I'm in my head right now about being well, scared of uh, and Varlamov? We don't know what his status is at this point. Um, Sorokin might have to go and who knows what happens with that, with a kid between the pipes like that. Sometimes we've seen that in NHL history, a kid jumps in and steals a series, but I think Varlamov is the scarier proposition there. Anyhow, what do you think? It is a little scary for a coach that great. It's kind of like, you know, in the NFL, you don't want to give the hoodie a bye week, right? Or you don't want to give Andy Reid his bye week because that's always trouble. Um, That is an issue. And you mentioned Latang, and to me, I always say this. The Penguins go as Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin go. And I'm sure the Islanders will try to get under their skin. If you go back to the series two years ago in 2019, Malkin and Latang were awful in that series. They were terrible. They were turnover machines. The Islanders just sat back and waited for them to make mistakes, and they did it. And it was really easy for the Islanders. And frankly, Trotz did the same thing to the Penguins in 2018. When you think Penguins Capitals, you always think of all the offense, Ovechkin, et cetera. Well, what the Capitals did in 2018 to finally beat the Penguins, they just sat back. The odd man rushes in that series. I forget what the exact number was. It was literally something like 28 to 7. Because the Penguins just never changed, and they were just irresponsible, and the Caps were so patient and just waited them out. It's a concern. I will say this, however. Since that playoff series in 2019, the Penguins have played the Islanders really well. Uh, since then, I believe there's six, three, and three against them, or something like that. The Islanders have only beaten them twice in regulation in eleven meetings since that playoff series. So I feel like Mike Sullivan has gotten through to these Penguins a little bit, and you know it's coach speak. Uh, Sully likes to call it playing the right way, but they are now. Like, this team doesn't drive me nuts the way the Penguins have the last couple of years. Uh, Gino can a little bit, of course, uh, but I think all of them have been better in that regard. So I think they have a better mindset to play the Islanders. It's the same game plan as playing the Devils back in the old days, right? Got to score the first goal. You got to be patient. Don't let them lull you into mistakes, things of that nature, because man for man, the Penguins are way better than the Islanders. And there's no question about that. 
You know, it, it really does make me think prime 66 Lemieux against the trap would have changed hockey history because he would have been able to defeat the neutral zone trap in a way that no one else, including Yarmir Yager or anyone else could have. I'm talking prime 66. I wonder what might have happened back then and kept the Devils from winning that cup that uh, almost destroyed the sport. Um, yeah, I. I hear you completely on um, on what can happen with uh, trots against these high end players, specifically Malkin. It's a funny it's a funny thing with uh, with Gino in there for the Penguins. You you got to figure they can't go all the way. They can't hoist the cup if Gino isn't good. Gino. However, in the short term, he does, even at his best, he plays a different game than the rest of the team. Everybody gets it deep. Everybody chips it deep. Everybody moves the puck forward. He's the only one that goes east-west. Even when things are, are going well for him, he'll throw, you know, little lazy passes at the blue line and otherwise leading the odd man rushes otherwise. Do I have that right, though? The Penguins, people who press, you know, get Malkin off the power play. You know, reduce Malkin if he's hurting you. Um, you know, marginalize him. I kind of feel like you got to go all in with 71 and take the good with the bad, sort of like you do with Latang. Of course you do. Um, 71 will take chances. You know that. He'll drive you nuts on occasion. But you're not going to win the whole thing without him. You might beat the Islanders without him. You're not going to beat Carolina or Colorado without him. He's, he's probably the X factor, maybe in the entire National Hockey League playoffs. If, hmm. if we see prime Malkin, if, if we see him turn the clock back a couple of years and have some kind of spectacular playoff where he's putting up better than a point per game, which he's still capable of, I think. If we see that from him, this is a really hard team to beat in a best of seven because the Crosby line's great. We've seen what Carter and McCann can do on the third line. Those guys are scary good together. The fourth line was reunited in practice today. Tana, Bluger, and Aston Reese. It's one of the best fourth lines in hockey. And the overall commitment to team defense this season has been notable and not something that uh, Penguins fans are used to seeing all the time. So you put it all together. Uh, Malkin is the question mark. He really is. I didn't really like how he looked in his four games back. Uh, You wouldn't expect him to look completely locked in, and he didn't. Um, I don't think he is aging as gracefully as Crosby. Uh, I think the goal-scoring touch is starting to fade a little bit, definitely. But he's still Evgeny Malkin. He's still a future Hall of Famer. Uh, this is still one of the great players of his generation. So uh, I, I think he's capable of turning it on. And I also think he is utterly capable of screwing up a series. I mean, he is. Uh, he's got a, I like to, I like to merge Pittsburgh sports teams a little bit. He's got a little bit of Ben in him. Like he's an all time great. He's a Hall of Famer, but he's going to throw Ben you a, who? Oh, Rockland of the QB. Right, right, right. He's going to throw you a pick six every now and then, too. That's just who Gino is. Um, so. We'll see, but for people who think that his role should be minimized, no, it, it doesn't work that way. They are not going to beat the elite teams in the National Hockey League without him. He he still remains, in my opinion, just far too important. Well, I, I think a big difference, a lot of people, myself included, longtime uh, Patrick Division um, enthusiast, hate all the teams in the division, save one, and uh, that team I happen to love. And one of those teams I hate, the New York Islanders, I hate them because they've caused me just outsized emotional uh, yeah. pain. At, a decade after decade, I'm an old man. I remember in 82 when the Penguins – 
had uh, had the Islanders on the ropes. The two-time defending champion New York Islanders with 118 points in the regular season. This is before the uh, the overtime rules changed. 118 points. The Pens <laughs> scratch into the playoffs somehow. Have them down 3-1 with a few minutes left. Uh, the Islanders rally and they win the game in overtime and the rest is history there. Then, of course, 93. Everybody remembers the Penguins in 75 were the, <laughs> were the first t- team and the only team forever to blow a 3-0 lead in a best of seven series in any of our major sports. Um, and then you refer to a couple of years ago, but specifically to from a couple of years ago to now, the blue line is much better and the depth up front is much better. And the overall speed is has got to be terrifying to trots and even to the Capitals and Bruins who they potentially could see on the other side there. I think even on a team predicated around speed and high-end skill, I, I mean, I think Kapanen, really jumps out to me as uh, the most surprising performer, maybe in the whole division. I didn't really see this level of performance. But just to go back to where you and I kibitzed a couple of months ago about all this, just before, right at the, I think at the front end of the Penguins taking off where they did, we had a debate, who is the divisions? If they only gave the Hart Trophy, that's a big conversation right now. Hart Trophy, Mm -hmm. is it definitely Connor McDavid? Whether we like it or not, it's going to Connor McDavid. And I kind of like it, actually. Um, I mean, I don't know how you make much of a case against it. Um, But do you give it to Kid Crosby, number 87, or 63 in black and gold, Brad Marchand? Those are the top two choices for sure. Uh, Probably Crosby, when you consider the Penguins did win the division. And... As great as Marshawn was, you know, Crosby has had so much responsibility this season with all the injuries the Penguins have had. You know, Malkin just missed the last six or seven weeks. So he's taken on even more minutes, more responsibility in the offensive zone and on the power play. And he's still the guy they have on the ice when they're up a goal with a minute left taking defensive zone draws every single one. He does everything for this team. And as great as Gensel and Rust are as line mates, they're not Pasternak and Bergeron. So I still think there's a slight advantage, and I have all the respect in the world for the player Marchand is. I mean, he's – I was actually talking with a buddy of mine the other day. I said, that guy's probably a Hall of Famer. Like, I, he's that good. I mean, look at his body of work. But I, I would still – if I'm just giving uh, an MVP to the division, I would I would go Crosby, I think. The fact that they came in first place and the way he played with Malkin out, he faded a little bit in the last couple of weeks. He looked tired. But there was a stretch there in most of April where he was unbelievable every night. So I, I'd give him the edge. And you mentioned the overall Hart Trophy. There seem to be some people in Pittsburgh or, or other places who try to make arguments for Crosby or other people. Dude's got 102 points in 54 games or whatever it is. I, you know, I, I agree the Canadian division's not very good, but I can't deny those numbers. Connor McDavid's the best player in the game. And, and as we'll get to later, when somebody wins a scoring title by that many points, they're probably the MVP of the National Hockey League. Oh, yes, yes. That's interesting you bring that up because I do want to talk about that. I do say, you know, Nathan McKinnon, Crosby still has his place in the big, I'd say, three of the league, I would say. But, you know, it's probably been surpassed on night to night, just straight up production by Nathan McKinnon, who I say has replaced Ovechkin now as the scariest proposition at the top of the circle on the power play out there. Now, he he seems to be operating it like one and a half times. That you know, if you, people who listen to podcasts are familiar with, je- are accelerating things just slightly so you have an advantage. McKinnon looks frenetic, like he's playing at a different speed than everybody else. He's he's not spastic, but um, uh, he, he's a live wire at all times. But McDavid 
Did you ever see uh, Matrix 2? Remember yeah. those ghosts, those go, those white ghosts? Yeah, you, know, yeah. like you can't get them. They're just too <laughs> fast no matter what you do. That's like McDavid. It's like a nightmare watching him. It's like, that, but, but it also makes me think, kind of like I've said to Derrick Henry to his face, I'm like, did you get tackled in high school? And he, he said, I got tackled. And I said, well, then you failed. Like you should not. Ne- Connor <laughs> McDavid should score like eight to ten points a game, it seems to me, given <laughs> – given his his skill advantage over everybody else. It seems like he can get to any spot on the ice whenever he wants to. Yes, of course, he's the MVP. It's a big, let's not get crazy with this. Let's just give it to to the division, and we'll say Kid Crosby wins that one. Very quickly, a couple quick uh, questions for you sure. before we jump in here. Um, do you think specifically where um, where the Bruins are concerned, any chance they roll with Swayman over Rask? Because Rask hasn't been great the last couple few weeks, except against the – now, if they get to the Penguins, now you have to put him in there because he can do what Vader can do to any um, uh, cynical Imperial officer. He can choke you out. I find right. a lack of faith disturbing. But Swayman <laughs> in, the, in the here and now maybe is the better bet. He, they could go with the rookie. He's been really impressive. I, I've probably got my Pittsburgh goggles on talking about Rask. Because every time I see the guy play in person, the Penguins can't beat him. Uh, he's been impressive. But they've got two pretty good options there. I, I am curious to see how that goes. But no matter which guy they go with, to me, they have a goaltending advantage over the Capitals. Uh, goal prevention is not Washington's thing. That's my biggest issue with them. Uh, teams that give up that many goals usually don't last in the playoffs all that long. I hear you. I agree with you. And lastly, is there a team out there? I believe in the curse of Sposta. People always do the Madden curse and otherwise. I think the real curse on on favored teams is being favored and having expectation weighing on your shoulders on top of everything else. Certainly the Islanders, there is no sense of uh, – uh, they have been on the fade the last few weeks. That's been the, the, the storyline. Now, Islanders – Wonks will tell you that, uh, yeah, that's because they're resting up for the playoffs and Trotz is in on that. I feel like, do you think that Crosby and Malkin have a sense of uh, career existential need to make a run here? Because as we've talked about, a lot of people in Pittsburgh and out say, oh, the window's closed on, on those. This, this era of Penguins can't win the Stanley Cup. Or is it on the Bruins for the same reason? It's not like uh, it's not like um, that. Uh, the perfection line is is um, uh, predicated on youth itself, or is it the Capitals, who are also probably, I, I think, by number, in fact, the oldest of all of all the teams out there? Who carries that extra burden of we better get it now? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, Chara alone makes the Capitals much older. Just his presence. I mean, if they would have, if Lundqvist were on their roster, they'd be even older. Um, I feel like the Capitals' window has closed, to be honest with you. And I, I don't mean to keep knocking them. I didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs. I looked at their roster, and I hated their blue line so much. Uh, that was what, That's what you and I both got wrong. When I asked you this two, three months ago, we both pointed at the Capitals. We weren't crazy either. And by the way, Eddie Spaghetti is the one who first did the math on this. It was yeah. right there in front of us. I think, and it's a great – I love what if. I love doing what if with sports. But Putin – maybe alters who wins the Stanley Cup this year, or at least who gets into these playoffs. Because if Putin doesn't accuse Breadman of whatever he accuses him of, then Aaron doesn't sit down for the stretch of time that he has to sit down. And he's won. He's a Hart Trophy finalist probably, but the Rangers are are almost certainly in the playoffs over the Islanders. So he really – so Vladimir Putin significantly impacts these matchups that we're seeing in this uh, – coming up. 
I don't think there's any question about that. And of course, Ovechkin is a particularly big Putin supporter. I've, I've heard some uh, theories out there that he sick Tom Wilson on Panarin, who was, of course, very anti-Putin. So, so clearly, sports and politics do intersect more than some people wish to realize. Uh, <laughs> but getting back to the original point, they're all aging, all three of these teams, in different ways. But I guess I look at the Penguins because I, I don't know that their legacy is just bigger than the other two. They're the team that's won three cups. Uh, the Bruins and Caps of this era have only won one. So as good as those teams have been for a long time, they're not quite in the discussion of like the Penguins and Blackhawks from the last decade or so. So it's a legacy thing for the Penguins. They know they only have so many cracks left. And Crosby will never admit this on the record or off the record, but I know winning as many as Gretzky to get to number four, I am convinced that would be a really, really big deal to him. And when you're from Canada and you're in his shoes, and you're always compared to Gretzky and everything Gretzky did. Um, I, I know that number has got to be in the back of his mind and just to win one more, and maybe to finally win one on home ice, not that it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but something Pittsburgh's never experienced. Um, they know they have a chance this season, the Penguins. I, I've covered Crosby and Malkin long enough to kind of get a feel for their body language and, and just the way they carry themselves. And, and it's not that they don't try when they know the team's not as good, but they just get this different look when they know they've got a real chance. And I, I, I just see that look this season in them. Ooh, very exciting. Well, listen, no, no question that were they to win a Stanley Cup this year, they solidify their position that they currently already hold as the best team of this of the century, yeah. you know, 21 years into the new millennium here. But all right, let's all this prelude, all this prelude. That's all that's all hors d'oeuvre. Listen, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for a week from now. I think these are going to be just marvelous playoffs. I can't yeah. wait to see who survives this division to catch up with the other last three standing there. By the way, you and I both agree for a long time that the abs are the favorite team. What's weird with the fan duel odds and, and the bookmakers in general, the two biggest favorites to win the Stanley cup are Vegas and the abs. They're in the same division. Everybody that's a, one of them is going to go down. So basically you're boiling it down to a coin flip when you make uh, yep. the bet. That seems like the, the worst value out there is to bet on either one of those two teams. But that's that's at least two rounds away for whoever survives the East Division. Let's go more historical. Let's, in fact, leave this century. Let's go back to last century and talk about, at least in sports terms, with all due respect to Tanya Harding and to the P-gate with the whatever's going on in horse racing right now, <laughs> in sports terms, the all-time crime of the century stand by for crime it was all very queer but queer things were yet to come out right side murphy shooting same eight rebound on the view Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter of the prison of the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn. Here he comes! Here he comes! Mario Lemieux! Hang on! He scores! You're gonna love it! In a nation that demanded justice. You better stop talking or you are a dead man! Doesn't a guy have to be convicted before he's found guilty? Here's Lemieux cutting back for the Penguins. Chicago win, moving in towards an end. Lemieux is there, he shoots, he scores! Mario Lemieux and the Penguins answer right back, thank you! Was there more than one victim of the crime of the century? 
two greatest forwards in the game today coming at him. What are you going to do? Oh, you're tougher than a 40-cent steak, aren't you? Well, this will make you soft and tender. And now, Elizabeth, the and winner of the Hartman... Swami, you want to read it with me? No, no, you read it. I'm too nervous. Are you? Come on, come on. <laughs> no question. Who else? My friend, Wayne Gretzky. Crime of the century. The untold story of history's most famous crimes. You lied, didn't you? No, sir, I'm not telling lies. You're telling lies. All of you. All right. We're talking about the 1989... Heart Trophy Theft, Grand Theft. Josh Yoey, you remember it. I remember it. Anyone who was following hockey at the time, any Angelino even, maybe delusional, maybe Goldie Hahn and Kurt Russell, they got swept up in the excitement of, of the golden boy, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, moving down from Canada to play hockey in the forum where Magic Johnson and Kareem were doing their thing. And very exciting, a big boost for the sport of hockey, but in terms of hockey production, Mario Lemieux, 199 points, as close as you can get to transcending that 200-point mark, as any human being has ever come this side of Wayne Gretzky, who did it twice himself. And yet, they give the the Hart Trophy to Wayne Gretzky. Let's start there. Are we on the same page? This is the greatest theft of in sports history in terms of awards at minimum. It certainly is, and many things about this have always astounded me, not the least of which is you can tell people, okay, this guy had 199 points, this guy had 168, and, and the guy with 199 had inferior teammates around him and, and led his team to the playoffs for the first time in seven years. So, so it seems very simple, but then you see not only did he not win the Hart Trophy that year, the voting wasn't even particularly close. I mean, it was, I would say it was a landslide, but it wasn't that close of a vote. And, and that's what astounds me. You can look up the results on a hockey reference or whatever. They have them there. The first place votes were like, what, 40 to 22 or something like that. I've always been blown away by it. And, um, you know, Canada's love affair with Gretzky was in full bloom at that time. And the idea that somebody came along who was better is just something that so many in that country could not accept to this day, but they can't accept it. And you and I both know that if Mario Lemieux and his prime played for the 85 Oilers, he would have put up 250 points. I, I believe that. I, I absolutely do. He was that much better. That's not a knock on Gretzky. I realize what he did, but nobody can accept it. So I think the fact that Mario won the award in 1988, which ended Gretzky's like seven or eight year run of MVPs, I think the next year the voters said, oh, no, how could we have done that to the great one? Uh, you know, the great one was injured for a part of that season. That, he's still the great one, so we, we need to vote for him. We got to – yeah, it's, it's, there is – I'm of two minds on, on subjects like this. Bill Walsh, for all he did with Joe Montana, understood he would have won even more if he would have had Dan Marino. In fact, there right. were some rumors that maybe he coveted John Elway from Stanford in his backyard. Maybe if they don't win Super Bowl sixteen, maybe that's how pro football history goes. Um, so, yes, as much as we can point to and say, well, the bottom line is Gretzky did do it in Edmonton. We can only imagine what Lemieux might have done uh-huh. with uh, with that supporting cast around him, which, by the way, is Hall of Fame level without Gretzky. Witness the fact that after they after Gretzky leaves Edmonton, 
Mark Messier and company win the Stanley Cup anyway. So so the idea that Gretzky was the one boosting up that franchise, obviously significant to that organization, obviously not to NHL history. I'm not impugning 99 here. We can get have the larger conversation about who's the greater talent. I think you and I will agree that uh, Gretzky is – I mean that uh, Lemieux is the, is the greater talent there. And for everybody – in broad strokes, who says, look at it, look at the point total. So let me you're gonna to try to argue against Wayne Gretzky being the, the greatest. Wayne Gretzky of all has time. more assists than anybody else has points. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what else is true? Emmett Smith has more rushing yards than uh, than Jim Brown. Who's bat who's the better running back, everybody? I mean, look at the numbers. So how how can you argue against it then? <laughs> look, Kerry Collins has more passing yards than Joe Montana. I guess that makes Kerry Collins uh the better thrower of the football. So we can reject all of that. And specifically, and by the way, we talk about the Hall of Famers, Yari Curry, Mark Messier, obviously on the power play with Gretzky as he's coming up through the high scoring. Uh, days of the early 80s, which, by the way, it's worth pointing out, the early 80s, there was much more offensive production than there was even in the late 80s. And then by the time you get to the mid 90s, it really falls off a cliff. I will point to Lemieux's rookie year. He plays with journeyman Terry Raskowski or in his second year, Terry Raskowski at age 31, the greatest goal total Terry Raskowski had otherwise in his career, 16 over the course of a season. He joined 66 on uh, on, on his left side for one season, 26 goals. <laughs> Lemieux's rookie season, Warren Young, Ham and Ager, a bum, age 29. Well, I'll do respect to you, Warren Young, but at age 29, this, this journeyman minor leaguer jumps on Lemieux's wing. Why? Because the Penguins organization was junk at that point. He was working with absolute nothing. They throw Warren Young on the line with uh, with 18-year-old 66. 40 goals. 40 goals for this guy. The second highest total Warren Young ever gets again. 22 the rest of the way in his career without 66. I mean, listen, that we, we can pour through these numbers over and over again. But the main reason why Gretzky exceeded Lemieux, aside from health, and this isn't People often say, well, if Lemieux would have caught, uh, caught a break health-wise, it's not Gale Sayers because Gale Sayers had it ended. I mean, it was cruel the way it ended for Gale Sayers. Lemieux had devastating back trouble, and he had cancer, and he still came back. And still, if you look at the all-time numbers, is still up there with the all-time scoring greats despite having legitimate physical disabilities right in the prime of his career. There's never been an athlete like him. And, and you can argue that the 88-89 season, which we're talking about, was really the last time in which he was completely healthy during a season. That's he exactly had, right. He had the back surgery the next year at age 24. He was never quite as explosive one-on-one -on -one after then because he was always in pain. And, I've, you know, I've gotten to know so many of his teammates uh, from those teams and the stories they tell me about, you know, the guy literally couldn't tie his skates and then he would go put up four points like it was nothing. Um, that, so there's always that that what if quality to his career, and that's something you, you can't put numbers on it. You, you don't know, but you just realize that that guy put up 199 points playing with Rob Brown and Bob Airy for an entire season. What would he have done if he was actually healthy and could have played a whole season with Tockett and Stevens three years later? I mean, really, I I, I don't know. Um, we, we can only imagine, but. To me, he was clearly the most gifted player in history, and, and that's part of his lore 
is that he still was that great when he was playing, you know, on the same day as a cancer treatment or his back was so bad he couldn't bend over or, oh, by the way, I'll take three and a half years off and I'll be 35 and come back in the dead puck era and put up 76 points in 43 games. Like, okay. Like, you think Wayne Gretzky could have taken three and a half years off and come back in the dead puck era and scored 35 goals in 43 games? I, I don't. I don't think anybody in history could have done that. And when I hear people nowadays say, well, Ovechkin is clearly the greatest goal scorer of all time. No, he's not. Actually, he's probably the second best ever. I'm not knocking him. He's awesome. He, I hope he breaks Gretzky's record. He might score 1,000 goals. But nobody was a more naturally gifted goal scorer than Mario. And to me, it wasn't even close. So I, I, I am on board with you. And it's still, no matter what we talk about, it always goes back, though, to the 1989 Hart Trophy voting. And, and what Mario infamously said on a radio show, he was on Mark Madden's show many years ago, and he was asked about that particular vote. He said, you know, I really only care about scoring titles and Stanley Cups because those are the two things that aren't voted on. So, so that tells you how he felt about that voting. Well, nevertheless, it was it, it's criminal, and I think it is owed to kind of the – when you contextualize what was happening there. Gretzky – the favorite son of Canada yes. um, goes from this this nouveau dynasty. I mean, they're used to the Blue Blanque Rouge and otherwise hoisting the cup. The Edmonton Oilers were a newfangled WHL product, not uh, not uh, um, too far in history before they start hoisting those Stanley Cups in the mid '80s. Um, so he emerges as their all time guy and then he leaves them and they feel like Peter Pocklington, the owner of the Oilers is the villain here. And it's not clear if Gretzky forced his way out or otherwise we now see a little clear that Gretzky played a major hand in leaving Edmonton. But at the time Edmonton and otherwise Canadian hockey fans are upset with Oilers front office for letting Gretzky go, but they like, they want to see their, their plucky sport, the little engine that could the fourth of the, of the four sports get over the hump in big, in, in hard boiled Los Angeles and make a go of it there. And he succeeds. And like I say, all the cutaways game in and game out in the forum to all the A-list Hollywooders. We like hockey. Now uh-huh. this is the reason that motivates them just as, I, I love when people try to exist in a vacuum about Tom Wilson. It's like, if that's not Tom Wilson, you don't bat an eye at that. Yeah, but there's also recidivism. And we know who Tom Wilson is from his past. So, of course, they color what we see him doing now. The same goes kind of in the other direction with Gretzky. It's like, well, he's the greatest. Look, is there anything he can't do? He moved to L.A., a, a basketball town, and he made people like hockey there. He has to be the MVP. Is asinine. Uh, in retrospect, and was asinine in the moment to those of us who were paying attention to it. But do I have the psychology collectively about where the voters were that they would ignore what Lemieux did because he had just been the MVP? So maybe we, maybe collectively, people were like, "Yeah, we know Mario's great, but look at what Gretzky did to revolutionize our sport. He made it more popular." Anything to kiss Wayne's ass was always a big deal back then for the media and for hockey. I don't know why, but but it it always was that way. And I also don't think we can ignore it. You know, some people might not want to get into this, but hey, Mario's French. And, and if you think English-speaking and French-speaking Canadians don't have some issues, I, I promise you they do. Maybe it's not as bad now as it was in the 80s. But don't think for a second that's not part of it. And also, look, Gretzky, I will give him credit for this. Um, he's never turned down an interview. I mean, he was always great with the media. He was a great ambassador for the game. Mario at that time probably wasn't. Uh, 
from what I've been told from people who, because way before my time, but you know, people who covered Mario that I know, people like Dave Molinari and, and Tom McMillan, they will tell you that Mario didn't really have a lot of time for the Canadian reporters. He didn't really like dealing with them, but he always took care of Pittsburgh's people. Uh, Pittsburgh was just in his heart from day one. He always wanted to take care of anyone affiliated with the Penguins in any way and with Pittsburgh, but he didn't always have time for the media the way Gretzky did, and I'm sure that probably hurt his cause uh, to some extent. And yet, despite all these things we've discussed, I just marvel that it happened. It's just there's never been anything like it. If there was a vote like that today in any of the major sports, I feel like it would be a truly explosive, enormous story. And I do think this is one of the reasons I'm a voter. I have to vote in a few days for the awards. They make all of our voting public now. And they only started doing that a couple of years ago. And and awards like this are why. And God, I wish they were public in 1989. Oh, man. I, I've heard, you know, I know some people who have done some digging but uh, we're never going to get all the, the vote tallies, unfortunately. That's our next step. We must contact yes. them individually. We must get minions to go out and visit these people and explain themselves on microphone. Maybe confront Where, them, yes. Maybe. Well, and, and so a couple <laughs> of numbers to go through if you need, if anybody needs convincing on this subject. Rob Brown shifts with uh, 66 in that uh, magical year for, uh, for Lemieux. Rob Brown, age 20, by the way. 49 goals in 68 games. His second highest total in his career without Lemieux, 21 goals. 49 goals in 68 games for Robbie Brown as a youngster, 20 years of age. Bob Erie, lovely guy, nice wheels, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no stranger to mucking it up there on a, on a checking line, but, but elevated. Yeah. Right, exactly. Plays up with 66 in that season, age 25. 26 goals. All right, that's a fine total. That's a that's more than respectable. Second highest total when he's not playing with Lemieux, 12 goals. Now, by comparison, look at what Gretzky did for those Kings. First of all, the Penguins finished in second place in their division. Yeah, but Gretzky elevated the Kings to what? Second place in their division. Now, everybody gives Gretzky credit for the rise of Bernie Nichols. That is the chief piece of evidence that you will hear. Why would Gretzky, but because look at what he did for the, look how he made everyone around him better. Never mind the guys I just went through the legit ham and Ager, borderline NHL players that, that uh, um, Lemieux turned into borderline stars, mm-hmm. Bernie Nichols, age 27. Yeah. He gets 70 goals, which is his uh, season total. However, he mostly centered the second line. So this weird desire to give Gretzky credit for everything. Yes, he scores 21 goals on the power play, but he's a second line center. He's not even on Gretzky's line five on five. And by the way, Bernie Nichols without Gretzky was still a great goal scorer. He scored 40 plus goals multiple times in his career, 475 in his career. There is no comp for that with Robbie Brown or Bob Erie or Terry Ruskowski, I can assure you. No, you're absolutely right. And this this need to give Gretzky credit for everything, um, it was always so noticeable back then. And what bothered me the most, actually, to go back a year earlier, you know, Gretzky and Mario team up to win the Canada Cup. And and that was kind of the passing of the torch when Lemieux became the better player. And everyone always had to say, well, that's because he, he played with Gretzky in the Canada Cup. And he saw how Wayne practiced. And, and he saw all, all those great Oilers practice. And that's what made him great. 
It's the biggest bunch of crap ever. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, I lived five minutes away from South Point, the Penguins practice facility. I'd go watch Mario practice. He and Yager would be like drinking coffee on the bench during practice. I'm not kidding. Mario never took practice seriously. He didn't, he didn't change <laughs> his practice habits because of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I remember uh, years ago, HBO did a documentary on Bird and Magic, and Arsenio Hall goes nuts. He's like, everyone had to give Larry Bird credit. Even when he had a broken arm, he'd be in the sidelines. And somebody said, well, Larry Bird told him to make that pass, so so you got to give Bird some credit. It's the same thing. Um, Gretzky would always have to be credited. Nobody could just acknowledge that, yes, Wayne Gretzky's an iconic player. But somebody came along who's like six inches taller and who has even better hands and who's stronger and can shoot the puck harder and, and just have all these gifts that Gretzky didn't have. They just couldn't accept it. The confluence of events, a perfect storm, an imperfect career, but still one of the greatest careers in, in sports history by Mario Lemieux. I completely agree with you that a lot of things worked against him. One of them was Gretzky is a, it's the equivalent of if Jordan and and Pete LeBron were in the league at the same time. It's the equivalent if Willie Mays and Babe Ruth were in the league at the same time. Lemieux suffers from coming into a league that already had 99. And aside from somebody suggesting to him, hey, you should wear 99 or flip it upside down. And Lemieux does that little marketing thing of flipping it upside down and going 66 is a weird homage in a way, I think is how he describes it. Um, I could be wrong about that, or maybe he was thumbing his nose, but I think he generally is as gentlemanly and as classy about puffing his chest out about where he stands. Gretzky, passive-aggressively, always had to take credit. I hear I, I've told this story a million times, but I'm going to tell it to you now, Yoey, for the million and first. Early days of the Kimmel show. Wayne Gretzky is uh, is booked. I tell Kimmel, listen, we uh, you, 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 you got to ask him about who he thinks are the best. Who I, I, I need to know what Gre- I want to hear it from his mouth, how he ranks himself, Lemieux uh-huh. and, and how and the rest. Kimmel brings it up. He said, one of, you know, one of our writers has to know. Who, who do you think? And he goes, oh, that's a tough one. There's so many. He's like Gordy Howe and Bobby or they're just so many great ones. And Kimmel goes, what about Mario Lemieux? Because our writer th- thinks he's the best. He's like, oh, Mario's Mario's great, too. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like You see what I'm talking about? Passive aggressive. Oh, oh I always anytime Gretzky's well, asked I'm, that I'm, I'm, he's great, too. He's also one of the greats, of course. In recent years, especially since Gordy Howe passed away, you know, Gretzky always says, well, Gordy's the greatest player ever. No, he's not. Like Gordy oh, Howe wasn't better than Bobby Orr, or Mario Lemieux, or Wayne Gretzky. Like, come on, he's not. And uh, Gretzky wrote an autobiography a long, long time ago, like late '80s, early '90s. And the first reference he made to Mario sounded on the surface like a compliment. He said Mario Lemieux, on pure talent alone, could win a scoring title if he was playing with a broken toothpick instead of a stick. Which sounds like, yeah, Mario was this awesome talent, but he's really kind of taking a shot at him. Like, yeah, but he's lazy. He's big, That's lazy, right, big lazy That's French a- guy. You know, that's Tom Brady saying about Aaron Rodgers, like, oh, if you put Aaron in this offense, he, yep. you know, he, he'd throw for 6,000 yards a season. Exactly. So then what's the problem then? So you're yep. taking a shot at Rodgers on somewhere. Right. By the way, with his workouts, that's one of Lemieux's best is that uh, when the season's approaching, he has to get in condition. So he stops uh, smoking nails and he stops eating the French fries after the round of golf. These are quotes from 66. That's those are those are the best. That's <laughs> the legendary quote. He first said that to Ron Francis. Those <laughs> who don't know it was, ron francis says hey mario what do you do to get in shape this you know for the season he says on, on august 1st i stopped ordering the fries with the club sandwich and he was being completely serious 
and he was still better than you, you freak, uh, Gretzky. No, so I, so Gretzky comes off. You know, he gets off uh, the panel and he comes back into the green room and he quickly gathers his things in his little uh, dressing room and he makes his way out with his publicist, who's who's got, who's standing at his arm, and she starts to take him out. And I say, hey, Wayne, I, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy just was talking to you about uh, about Lemieux and otherwise. You know, I'm just curious, why 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 didn't you bring up Lemieux? And uh, and he said, I did. We talked. To, I, I said he was great. And I said, yeah, but Jimmy had to tell you about him. And he said, no, we were talking about him and his publicist. And he you can feel like what what the hell are we doing here? Like in the publicist is like tugging him. Let's let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And um, they get about 20 feet away and, and they're almost out there in the hallway on their way uh, into the night. And I say, uh, hey, Wayno, Semenko's not here tonight. You know, because it's now all he's got is his publicist defending him, dragging him out. That's not sufficient for Damashek. Gretzky turns around and shoots me the stink eye. She gets him and she gets him out of there. And the uh, the the uh, executive producer comes over and arm bars me and says, "What the hell are you doing? What are, what are you doing?" I said, "What are you what?" I said, "You can't get into fights with our guests. What are you doing? What are you yelling at Wayne Gretzky?" And I said to him then, and I say it to you now. If Gretzky comes over and decks me, so be it. You know what? That's if there's a reason to get a shiner defending the honor of 66 is the best reason I can think of to do it. On the other hand, what if I whip him? What if what if what if I whip him? What if I take him to task with the fists? What if I get the sweater over his head and I work him over? But good. Now they have to erect a statue of me somewhere in Pittsburgh. If that's true. That's very funny. That actually reminds me of a quick story. I mentioned legendary Penguins writer Dave Molinari. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, we're on an elevator in Philly, and Bobby Clark walks onto the elevator, and he had like two security guards with him that were each seven foot tall. Molinari just looks up and goes, oh, some things never change. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, you're right. I'm, I, I'm glad you said that to the great one. That's very funny. He's not used to that, I don't think. Um, but he, no, he just, that's right. There's something like, I don't hate Wayne Gretzky. I more hate the way the media perceives him. That's right. I, I now see now you've unearthed for me. See, so the Canadian, the the yeah. English speaking Canadians right. didn't love. Now I will say I don't know. I'd love for for you to to do this leg of the investigation if you would. I've right. heard from multiple people that Rick Tockett and Paul Coffey who mm-hmm. played with both guys in their, you know, general primes, sure. both will tell you Lemieux was the greater player. I would like to hear that directly on record to confirm that, because I don't think there's any better evidence than that. If if Paul Coffey would say that he thinks Lemieux is the better player, I mean, I don't really know how much more we have to talk, uh, have much, uh, any Gretzky defender has to, right. to throw in our direction to defend their hero. Well, I don't know if they'd ever say it publicly. I actually know Tockett really well, so I'm going to text him and ask him in a little bit. Um, But I I will say this. I had a conversation with one Scotty Bowman one time, and I just asked him for his thoughts on this. And he'd been quoted as saying something similar. He said, listen, if you had a draft, and Lemieux and Gretzky and Orr and Howe were all in the draft, they were all 18 years old, and you you knew what you had in all of them, he said, I would draft Lemieux without even thinking twice. It's, It's not even a contest to me. Uh, so, you know, if Scotty Bowman says that, I, I will go along with what he says. And I always say about Mario, like, that, listen, we live in the era of the analytics people who just like to break down the numbers and don't consider anything else. If you saw Mario play, especially in person, you had to see him play in person. 
and when you saw him in person in your prime, if you had come from Mars and these guys weren't wearing numbers or names on their backs, it was just hockey player. You would just watch him. You wouldn't watch anyone else because you knew he was different and you knew he was better really than anyone who had ever played the game. And, and to see him in person, I think was to, to fully appreciate it. He was more than just about numbers. He, he really was. So to dominated me- the puck in a lot. I mean, Gretzky's greatness was, that he he wasn't imminently noticeable on every shift. He he didn't cut a big figure. Right. He right. was fast, but not otherworldly on 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 the skates. Yeah. Um. The thing with him was, was at just, night's end, you would say, yeah. "How did he, wait? He got four points. Right. When when did he go?" Lemieux was. You were aware of him every second that he was on the ice. Every uh, every buddy on the other bench was aware of him. Yeah. If you were in the building, there was an electricity around him, and he was noticeable because he would fit. He would practically, sure. especially in those first half dozen dec- years or so in the league, he would lug the puck from his own blue line sure. into the zone. He he was almost without any help until Paul Coffey arrived. Oh, really, that's the thing about him. I saw him play for the first time in 1986 when I was six years old. And I, I still remember that game, and I just remember fixating on him. You didn't watch anyone else on the ice when he was out there. You just couldn't. It was it was such theater, and that's the thing. Gretzky, when Gretzky came along, his mind was different than anyone else's. The way he thought the game and saw the game, it was. It was genius. And I would suggest that Mario's vision and understanding of the game was on a very comparable level to Gretzky's. He just had these physical tools that Gretzky wasn't even close to having. Uh, he, for a man that big, back then hockey players weren't that big either. Now you see a lot of guys who are 6'4", 6'5". wasn't that common then to see a man as big as him who could just move the way he could in the hands and in the mind. Uh, There's never been a complete package of talent like that in the sport. And I would say, if you look at the four major North American sports, and I know I'm biased because I'm from Pittsburgh, he might be the most underappreciated athlete in history. I I truly believe that. Because all you hear about hockey, Gretzky, 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 like people are missing the point. Is there has there ever been a more impactful first overall pick in any of the four major sports? That's a that's another conversation to have specific to 88, 89, just to run through a couple of numbers here and the difference in talent. Because, yes, Gretzky did have vision, but he also had the luxury kind of like Peyton Manning to go uh, multi-sport here. Peyton Manning had throughout his career, he had Marshall Falk and Edge James standing behind him, and he had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, and then he goes to Denver, and he gets Demarius Thomas, and and otherwise, Um, Lemieux was more Dan Marino in the lack of talent around him, and had to really tug everybody to every victory for long stretches of his career. Witness in 88-89, Luke Robitaille, Hall of Fame, one of the great goal scorers of the last 50 years, obviously, Age 22, 46 goals on Gretzky's wing. He has 53 goals the year before, before Gretzky arrived. So he, so his goal total actually goes down. Davey Taylor, who was out there, obviously, with uh, with those great uh, purple and gold uh, Kings teams, at age 33, 26 goals on Gretzky's wing, 40-plus three times otherwise. So obviously he's not making everyone around him better. Like I say, both teams finish in second place, so there's no – Nothing you can glean from that. Uh, look at the success that they had. Lemieux, 13 shorthanded goals. That still is the first all-time single-season total yes. for anybody. 13 shorties in one year. 31 power play goals in the same year. That's third all-time. Tied with himself at third, by the way, Lemieux is. 
Lemieux is on the ice for 254 of the 347 goals the Penguins score. <laughs> 73% of every goals the pe- a goal the Penguins score, Lemieux's on the ice for. By comparison, that year, Gretzky's on the ice for 56% of the Kings. Uh-huh. Listen, more uh-huh. it's remarkable, but it's not what Lemieux was doing. Uh-huh. Gret- Best that Gretzky ever did was 82 his year where he goes, uh, you know, 50, where he gets 50 goals in, in 39 games. 82. Gretzky's on the ice for 265 of 417. That's 63% of all the Oilers' goals in 82. Lemieux blows that out of the water. I'm with you. I, I, mean, I don't know what else to point to except that it's not Marino. Marino ribs his Achilles. I forget how many years into his career, and that really think it was. Yeah. that changes the trajectory of his physicality and everything sure. else. But he still is uh, a stats machine and otherwise, um, but not nearly as debilitating as the ongoing back issues, let alone cancer that Lemieux had. But he's an interesting guy to kind of point to, and he's not. But in the same way that you look at Marino and say, "Yeah, he never won the big one, though." You know, he never got Lemieux. Lemieux won two Stanley Cups too. So this idea that he kind of like, yeah, he's a tragic figure on some level. He was hugely productive. As I say, I point to the other guys, Ted Williams, who misses time for wars and 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 goes off and does that. And you can kind of wring your head. Yeah, but he never he, he never won the uh, the big trophy in his sport. Lemieux did twice. That's and right. then he leaves the sport. He saves the sport. Now we've left 89. But in general, Saves the franchise in Pittsburgh, not once when he arrives in 84. Nobody goes to the game. 6,000 people go to see them before 66. Um, then he saves them again in the uh, by by buying them when he's owed money. And then he buy, saves them a third time when they almost move off to Kansas City and he comes back and he plays. He actually, he's the owner, puts on the uniform. There has never been most underrated player in North American sports history I'll put a, a more positive spin on it. There has never been a more impactful figure for one franchise in North American sports history than Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he is the headline on my list of the greatest position group by franchise. Pittsburgh Penguins center Iceman, <laughs> 66, uh, Sidney Crosby, two of the five best forwards in NHL history. I think we can agree, right? Yes. Plus Ronnie Francis, plus Brian Trottier wins a couple cups. They count Gino Malkin, Jordan Stahl, a key guy, Sil Apps, Pierre LaRouche, Mike Bullard, and otherwise. The only position group but for a franchise that I would even consider the Lakers at center with Mike and Wilt, Kareem, yeah. Shaq, Shaq yeah. and uh, and Anthony Davis. I'll say you on that one. No, that, that's, a, that's a great call. Might be throwing Jeff Carter onto that list if he keeps playing like he is. <laughs> if he um, does this, if, he, if he's holding a big silver thing over his head in two months, he definitely um, makes the list. No, Mario Lemieux is more important to the Pittsburgh Penguins than any athlete in the history of sports with any franchise. I don't think that's even debatable. I, I really don't. And um, what he's done as an owner, too, I mean, for what it's worth, I know that has nothing to do with the hockey player. He's a great owner. Uh, look, the Penguins are like the model NHL franchise. He, he does everything right. Uh, he really does, and yet he has just – we talk about Gretzky's personality. and hey, Wayne likes the attention. Apparently ESPN didn't offer him enough money, but he, he certainly was, was talking ball for a little bit there. That's just not Mario's way. Mario's a lot like Bobby Orr, that they are more comfortable in the background, and I appreciate Sidney Crosby's the same way. These are legitimately good human beings 
uh, in Crosby's case, I know him the best of the three, but they're all just good people, and it's, it's refreshing to see how they compose themselves. And Mario, I am so lucky. I grew up in the 80s, and you think of Pittsburgh, and you always think of the Steelers. Well, when I grew up, the Steelers stunk, and the Pirates weren't very good, even though they had young, skinny left fielder who was great. But like for me growing up in the 80s, it was about watching Mario. And, and, That's right. I, and I look back now, and I see how lucky I was because for all the things we talk about – was he the greatest ever? Well, I'll tell you this. In my lifetime, there will never be an athlete who's better to watch in person than him. It, it oh. was just pure theater every single night. And when you're comparing Lemieux and Gretzky, I've always said Gretzky's about numbers, and that, that's fine. Mario was about the experience. Uh, he was about the, the moments that he created. Nobody had that flair for the dramatic who could just kind of snap his fingers and, and go make something happen. Like the last breakaway goal in his last home game against Philly. Like nobody does that. He just had that aura about him. He, he was just different in every way. And I first shift, last shift. Yeah. Who does that? Get, and, and scores yeah, on a breakaway. I know you love that old number 68 ended, ended Gretzky's last ever game in overtime. I, that was always one of my, uh, cherished memories of the Yager era was a uh, Yager winning it in overtime against the Rangers at the garden. Well, it's a, I mean, a, a glorious uh, investigation. This is an important step in well, unearthing thing. It's no, no, no. We're, we're, the next, the, the next immediate step, Rick Tockett. If you can track right. down the original 77 in black and gold and get Paul Coffey's opinion, <laughs> I'd like to hear that one too. Eddie spaghetti very quickly. Eddie Spaghetti's a good, honest judge. I predict he's going to say this was a little that you felt that this was self-serving and maybe a little inside for Jess Pittsburgh uh, hockey fans. How say you? Tell me what you think. Hundred percent that, and also, and I don't know. Hundred percent what? Say say what you say what you feel though. I'm, I agree with what you just said, and I'm going to add to that that I think uh, I just even if you guys are right about it and you guys are very passionate about it. I just don't think it's going to change the minds of people across the country or even Canada for that matter. People are just born, you know, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, 99 is retired to drive the sport. It's just ingrained in you to be like, Oh, he was the best because his numbers are unreal. That's just the way it's going to be. What is, so what are you a robot? You're, you're just, just saying, uh, somebody can tell you what to think. What, what, use your own mind, boy. Why watch? <laughs> I sent Eddie spaghetti well, last night. I sent him a, I sent him an hour-long documentary featuring all of 66's goals. You know, that's just uh, not slow-mo or anything else, just a chance to see his greatness. That's what people missed out on. As you say, by the time they win Stanley Cups, he's already passed his prime, Lemieux, at that point because of the back. Well, I don't know how much I trust a guy wearing a Jeff Bukaboom jersey. I'm going to be honest, Eddie. I don't know about that. Sour grapes. Eddie's right. It probably won't change the minds of of most people. I, I actually agree with that completely. And that's probably part of our frustration, Dave, because we know what we saw. And it's like we're just screaming to people who just either can't hear us or don't want to hear us. But but we know we're right on some level. And there's something I would to- love, uh, you know, I think your point, too, about Canada. I have talked to, I mean, purely anecdotal, but I've talked to so many Canadian people who say, oh, yeah, a little amused. I've let Jay Onrate. Uh, the legend up there uh, in Canada now, when he was down here in Los Angeles, I would catch up with him on this subject. And he would say, I hate to say this because I'm an Edmonton guy. I you know, grew up with the Oilers and everything, and I love Wayno, but I, I know what you're talking about. We, we know that, but we have to ignore that reality. You know, and, and that's as much a concession as I think we're going to get. It's, it's a, Spaghetti's right. It's basically 
impugning a deity to people in Canada and to longtime hockey fans to, sure. to to suggest that the guy that they anointed is the best in in sport. Like our guy Gretzky, that's a, a big psychological aspect of even the voters too. Is back sure. to where we started. That is that they're pushing hard for their little engine that could that is the sport of hockey up a hill against the NFL and baseball and otherwise. And so their biggest star is Gretzky. So they say, you're missing out on this star who's really redefining scoring totals and everything else in our sport. So now they're championing that for a half a decade. Then you're told, yeah, this guy in Pittsburgh is maybe better than he is. That's too much. It's too much. They can't be supporters of the sport in general and then also flip on 99 and start supporting 66. I really think that. And also 66 doesn't do himself any favors as a human being, he's a great guy. Yes. As a competitor, he doesn't puff his chest out and say, like, what? That guy? Right. Better than me? Are you kidding? Please. You're right. In 66, he's got a little bit of that Wizard of Oz feel about him. Like, there's a mysterious component to his personality. He doesn't do interviews. He just stays in the background. Everybody who knows him loves him. Everyone in the organization swears by him. He treats them like a million bucks. But none of us really knows him. Whereas Wayne Gretzky is literally doing interviews every day to this day. That's all he does. He's obsessed with the attention. That's fine. That, that's did, really he get Botox? did he get Botox? Because it looks like he did. How's that look? I, I know. <laughs> I, th- I thought the same thing when I saw him a few months ago. Cool. That's that's yeah, that didn't look great. Um, no, that's just he's an extrovert. Mario's an introvert. I think that's part of the issue. But um, those who know Mario, put it this way. I, I've covered the Penguins for 12 years now. I've never heard one bad word about that man. And the stuff he does off the ice for charities and such, it's unprecedented. Well, let me tell you this very quickly as we wrap it up. Shout out to Uncle Mike. My Uncle Mike is, you know, he taught me the ways of the puck about the the cursed angry penguin on the sweater. And then we saw it turn (laughs) glorious. Um, seated next to each other in B-17 in the Igloo. Uh, My sister Amy, my old man, for dragging me out to those Pens games when they were still wearing two tones of blue back then. He's at uh, our mutual pal, Mike Dell, who is one of the great champions of this this terrible crime. And my late... And my late, uh, my late pal Richie Perkins, aka Great Paul, Great Balls of Fire, who you interacted with and always enjoyed bouncing off of you on this subject and Pittsburgh Penguins in general. Shout out to all those people who play a hand in perpetuating this story. And as far as my uh, my pal Richie goes, when he got cancer a decade ago, who sent him a letter of uh, of well wishes and otherwise? 66 Mario Lemieux was a treasured item for Richie. I know that, but. Um, but that, uh, I think, transcends how the vote went, of course, in 1989. That's the matter at hand. And I think we've – I don't care what Eddie Spaghetti says. He's kicked off the jury. He's biased. He he rooted. He probably under the boom. He has a, a blue shirt. Gretzky, too. Gretzky in that – St. Louis Blues legend. And by the way, doesn't that say something to Gretzky that he had to go finish his career in New York? Doesn't it? That, 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 that just says something. The fact that Mario stayed in Pittsburgh when – you know, when he came out of retire, he could have sold the Penguins. He didn't have to buy them out of bankruptcy. He could have played in Montreal or New York for $25 million a year. No, he, he was loyal to one franchise. Gretzky needed all the attention of New York in the end. That's right. That's It says something bad. It's a bad message for our kids. Before even the 21st yeah. century and social media and everything, Gretzky was already in on that kind of unsavory, those unsavory passions where 66. I knew we'd agree. I know. 
This worked out beautifully, Yowie. Listen, <laughs> uh, you've said it all. We appreciate the time. Make sure you're listening or uh, tracking down uh, Yowie's great, really gangbusters work, whatever uh, team you uh, are invested in in the Patrick slash East Division before these playoffs. Track down Yowie's work and his pals over there at The Athletic. They really do a gangbusters job of chopping things up here, and it figures to be unless the Penguins go out in the first round. That's it. I'm long as that, if they can just get to the second round, yeah. These playoffs are going to be great, and I they they might be as long as things break just right. Like, let the, you know, I don't. Tampa's got a, a a tough go of it in their division. They do. Colorado or Vegas going to cancel each other out? Who knows? Gonna cancel, there's a chance, and Caps and Bruins are going to beat each other up. Just get through trots, Crosby, right. and then <laughs> let's see what happens. I'll take my chances. <laughs> Yoey, you're the tops, pal. Enjoy it out there. We love uh, following your work, and we appreciate all the time, man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Say hi to Kaboli for us. And don't let him tell you you're not allowed to cheer in press boxes. He's a curmudgeon. (laughs) Weirdo. All right, there goes Josh Yoey. And here we go. We'll be back to further break down these NHL playoffs for you with Kevin Hench. What's going on with Jalen Brown and the Celtics, the AL East, and all the rest of it. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven, except for you, Spaghetti. I mean, why do you have to come in there and make like – make like one of uh, Baffert's horses and pee on everything. I mean, that was, that was a nice conversation we were having.